Hello and welcome to the County Line, discussions of party politics from the Washoe County Republican Party. I can definitely say that. Nevada, right to life. This is going to be fun. Okay. And are you going to engineer mistakes out or are we just... Yeah, no, it's, okay, it's, everything will be post-edited. So if you find yourself on a roll and you stumble your words, then just... Stop. If you find yourself on a roll and you st- right, you just yeah. boom and just give the same line exactly how you want it to again. It's not absolutely. Uh, and I'm gonna watch you so I don't step over. I do have a little step over habit sometimes. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> find it in editing. Well, Melissa Clement, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, tell me a little bit about you and and where you came from and what you do. I am with Nevada Right to Life. Okay. We are the statewide affiliate of National Right to Life, which is the oldest pro-life organization in the country. Got it. God started back in the late 60s, right before Roe v. Wade happened. I think God started way before that. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Um, Let's see. uh, You know, the interesting thing, I guess, if if there's anything interesting about me, is that I wasn't always pro-life. Oh. I think that is interesting. And, um, you know, I grew up in the 70s uh-huh. and was a kid. I was six years old when Roe v. Wade happened. Uh-huh. And that was a major shift for our, for our nation. Yeah. We went from valuing life to the next day encouraging um, abortion for any reason for all nine months of pregnancy. Uh-huh. And if you can imagine, that was a plate tectonic shift. That is a big shift to put all of humanity through at one time. At one time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And for my family. At a time, by the way, uh, where race issues were tremendously heightened and to then focus on women in that way Mm -hmm. is is kind of interesting as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how old you are, but I was a kid at that time and it Uh was, it was kind of, it I could feel the kind of um, stress. Oh, yeah. And, the you know, we were in the middle of, uh, we, we'd just gotten out of Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was six, but you could feel it, the tension in the country, the race riots, the everything Yeah, was very scary. Uh-huh. Um, and in our family, it was kind of interesting because we're, we were a large Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And I was the youngest of seven. So my parents never even thought, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about these big changes that are happening. And so they never did. Wow. And so they just assumed I was like the rest of the kids. And you just believed the same way that everybody was because that's what it was. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just percolating in the culture, a culture that was much different than, than what they thought it was. Yeah. So, you know, I get, I get to college and I grew up in the eighties and it was the, um, women's empowerment. Uh-huh. And so for me, you know, obviously I didn't remember a time when abortion wasn't a woman's right to choose mm. and something that we should fight for. Mm-hmm. Now, meanwhile, again, like I said, my whole family didn't know this was going on. So I was a, I was a student leader up at the university of Nevada and as part of what I did in bringing concerts and lectures and stuff like that, I really did kind of focus on a lot of women's empowerment. Mm. And so one of the, the people that I, that I um, had come lecture mm-hmm. was the, the attorney who argued successfully Roe v. Wade. Wow. 
Sarah Weddington. And she was this amazing woman that was kind of the archetype of what I wanted to be, you know, Uh super bright, really articulate, gracious, Texas woman, attorney. Feminine and strong also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And, you know, a rabble rouser. Uh Uh-huh. So, so we brought her and, you know, quite honestly, at that time, I didn't really even think that there were other people who thought differently than me. Yeah. Even though, you know, at home, obviously, but they were, you know, they were old people. They didn't know what they were talking about. Uh-huh. So um, she came and spoke, and we actually became pretty good friends. Oh. And um, she was kind of a mentor and stuff like that. Well, um, after the lecture, because we had been, excuse me. That's okay. If we're not hitting microphones, we're not doing it right. <laughs> so true. It's a party. <laughs> um, so uh, after, after one of the lectures, we took her out to dinner, and she started talking about, you know, we were just, there's nothing more fascinating than talking to somebody who was a part of history. Yeah. And not to mention somebody you're looking up to and yeah, absolutely. Uh So I, you know, I was asking her all the questions like, what was it like to be in front of the Supreme court? And then I said, well, so whatever happened to Roe of Roe v. Wade? Uh And she said, Oh, Norma McCorvey. Well, she was nothing but a piece of trash when we found her and she's still a piece of trash. I heard she became Christian. And I, I, even though that would have been something that would have probably like, oh yeah, she's Christian, yeah. might have, it just struck me so. Boy, it just hit a tuning fork <laughs> in me. I could tell you that, sister. I'm like, wait a minute, is she trash because she's Christian or she's trash and now she's Christian trying to do something? What are we talking about here? Absolutely. And wow. I, I, she must have seen the, lo- the look on my face because she then said, well, yeah, she became Christian, and then she became pro-life, and she's just stupid and white trash. Whoa. And I was like, here we'd been talking about women's empowerment, you know? Yeah. And that's what she would say about another woman. When and, your stock crashes instantly. Absolutely. Wow. And so that was like the first little chink in my armor. I understand that, yeah. And so... You know, it's enough to make me start researching a little bit myself on the person. Yeah. And you'll find not a happy person. Oh, not a happy person. But yeah. Okay. So um, I like how you take a prayer. The audience can't see you do that. (laughs) But I like how you kind of viscerally, physically begin to pray for her. I think that's very interesting. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. I saw it in your face take over where you were going to be like, (laughs) pray for her. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. So, you know, I life goes on. I got married, got pregnant with our first first baby. And um, it was one of those weird things. I mean, weird because it's just truth. Yeah. I knew within three days. Uh-huh. I knew I'm pregnant. There's something different. There's a life here. Yep, yep, yep. And if you can imagine, that was kind of a weird thing yeah. to say uh-huh. and to think. So, I know even just for me, sometimes like when I have to acknowledge that like, oh, wait, I might not just be sneezing. I have like a sinus infection. Those little shifts are enough to right, get me cranky. Exactly. So I can't. <laughs> I knew pregnancy would be something else. It's, it, it, and it is and it was. And it was um, honestly coolest thing I've ever done. I mean, uh, talk about women's empowerment, creating life. Yeah. And 
I don't know. I mean, that's off on a different topic, but. But I think people should know it about you because, man, you're not kidding. I can see it on your face, <laughs> yeah. too. You really like and the journey of pregnancy. Yeah, it was. And and I, I have three kids. Not all three pregnancies were super easy. The last one was really challenging. Ah. And so, you know, like when I talk about abortion, one of the first things I say is that um, if you had an abortion, you were involved in an abortion, or um, you love somebody who had an abortion. That doesn't make you a bad person. There's healing for that. Wow. And because, you know, the it's my cool. road has been kind of a winding one. I never, yeah. I never had an abortion, but I did encourage many other people to do it, uh-huh. which I think is, you know, if we're, we're talking sin that's a bigger sin well let's strip sin for a second and talk about the part of it that i know everybody can identify to and will know especially if you've had to go through the abortion process in any way yeah regardless of how you got there whether you were assaulted whether it's a bad choice whether it's whatever it is a whole spectrum in between those two it's a painful process absolutely and once it's over you have a lot to deal with now and that that's the part where we can begin. See, I always thank the party during these casts because they give me the chance from an independent standpoint. Mm-hmm. So this one is particularly moving for me today. And already we've just gotten started. I, I'm, I moved because I, I tend to fall more on the pro-choice side myself. Mm-hmm. And as I, for, for those reasons, because I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it would feel like to be pregnant. Sure. I don't know what it would feel like any of it. So it's yeah. not for me. But when a woman is telling me the better method, I'm going to listen to why that is. And when they're, they're telling me additionally, this is not about judgment. This is about how to save you from a potential pain right. coming on the other side of this that you don't understand. And as much as you think you might know, and you're going to be able to navigate it because you're just tough and strong and all those things, you really have to give that consideration before you make your choice. Uh, and then I can support you in whatever choice you make. Right? Yeah, well, and that's and that is, you know, if I can get the whole world to where you are, what you just said, that's wow. a huge victory. Wow. Because the thing is, is that when women are empowered with all the information they need, mm-hmm. and when women are confident that they have the resources, whether it's love and money and Mm. all of those things, Mm -hmm. they can make a good choice. Mm -hmm. Let me just hear it for Melissa Clement and empowering women right now. Because that, I don't, I mean, and what a thing here, because in the news media, they want to make it sound like the the pro-life position is one of a certain type, but I don't really hear that narrative at all going on here. No. I hear a national organization drop down state by state that's been here for 60 years is here to tell you it hurts a lot and let's make sure you know everything about what you're getting into before you get into it. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, and, and I'm always going to fight for that baby, that unborn life, because that is unbounded potential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we just don't even know what we're talking about. Every one of us is a story. Every one of us. Yeah. And and everyone uh, every one of us has an incredibly impactful story. And you know, I'm going 
I, I tend to go all over. I'm ADHD by big time. But that's what's wrong with our world right now mm. is we have lost sight of the fact that every single one of us has a story to tell yeah. and has value to give. Wow. Yes. And you look, you know, I'm down in Carson City all the time and that's what you don't see. Yeah. Or I'm actually on a television watching what they're doing down in Carson City. But how often do we all just like look at that person who disagrees with us, put them in a box. They're not valuable. I don't want to hear them. Mm-hmm. But that person's got a story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we start telling each other stories, yes, we are going to start changing hearts and minds. And we're going to, because at the end of the day, we all have the same goals. That's true. A better world. And, and I'll tell you something that philosophically, as I wrestled with where my positioning is, I think about that assault baby, right? And I think about the potential that you're describing as I make my decision of whether or not I actually would fall on a pro-life, pro-choice if I even gave myself the option of a choice. Personally, I really do hold firm. I ain't a woman. So what you do, you tell me, you know, I, I know how to be there for you, girl. That's what I do. (laughs) Uh, But as I consider that choice, I do take some thought in the idea that, that, that I am a God fearing man. And then I do believe God has certain kinds of plans that can eliminate things that we don't understand. Imagine the gravity of a TED talk with a young child that grows up and and enacts, you know, boundless uh, 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 legislation and measures against assault and rape and just cuts it by half because their mother allowed them to live and they were grateful to have a life. You know what I mean? You never know how far a human being will take it. And so really there's a lot more to consider even even if even if you didn't have a choice in how you got there. Right. You have a choice in where it goes from here. And and whatever choice you make, I mean it's it's amazing that I can sit here with somebody who works for the pro-life of pro-life organizations <laughs> who's telling me, "Look, once you make that choice, uh, find whatever help and support you need. We support you in that. Yeah. Uh, but up until you make that choice, don't make that choice. <laughs> right. Don't make exactly. that choice. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and, the, and as I made my, my progression to be more pro-life and, and to join this side, that was the thing that really shocked me. Uh-huh. Because um, you go to Planned Parenthood and get a, an abortion or you go to the clinic over on over by the mall and you get an abortion. And that's the end of the deal for them. Mm. Goodbye. Thanks for the money. Yeah. But who's there? Well, it's it's pro-life people. We realize that there is, you know, there's never a good reason why somebody has an abortion. It's a it's a failure, big time. Yeah. Not it's not saying she might, she's the one who failed. No, somebody failed. Somebody we failed. Use my example as those extremes: either an attacker failed, or or a, a poor decision failed, right. or somewhere in that vast spectrum in between. Because we can, we really can honor. That every single situation is unique, right? But that the lesson. I we used to do, we used to be out at the state fairs all the time, and we would have a booth, and you know, just trying to get the word out and educate people. One of the things we would do is we had these what we used to call the squishy babies, and they're about you know they're what three inches maybe, and they're anatomically correct for a twelve week baby in utero. But they were kind of squishy and soft and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we'd have a basket of those and we'd have um, suckers. And then and then we would interact with, especially kids. And it would be the same kind of patter every time. A kid would come up and I'd say, 
um, you know, would you like a, a one of our little babies? This is what we all looked like when you were in your mama's womb. Mm-hmm. This is what you looked like. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I'd say, you know, that's what I look like. And then they giggle. And this is what your mom looked like. And then they they laugh. And and so it was just kind of a way to open up the conversation with this child yes. who are by nature pro-life because they recognize this is just like me. They get it right like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was also to interact with the adults that were with them. Mm-hmm. Well, one time this cute little girl comes up and, yeah, can I have one? And so I looked at her, obviously her grandmother is it okay? And she's like, Oh, okay. And I, and so I start in, you know, this is what you look like. And the grandmother says, that's not right. And I was like, Oh no, it is, you know, this. And then I start opening up my books of, you know, pictures. And then I point to a video and she's like, that's not, that's not what they look like at that age. And I'm not getting it. And then finally, I, cause I'm looking at my books and I'm, and she, I look up at her and she's crying. And she said, they told me it was just a clump of cells. Oh, oh my God. And see, that's, that right there is what oh. motivates me. They don't have the information. No. And, and she was walking around with that guilt because I'll tell you what, you know. Please tell me that's not what it looked like is what she was saying. Yeah. And, oh my and God. imagine the big lie that you walked around with and just found out. I am so, devastated for that person right yeah. now. Oh my God. And another, I mean, a million stories, but another, um, a guy I worked with one time, yeah. used to give me a lot of grief for being a pro-lifer and, you know, was I going to be a sniper and stuff like that. Good friend of mine, loved the guy to death. And one day, just out of the blue, he said, my girlfriend had an abortion. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, uh, you know, I tried to convince her not to, but it was her decision, so I supported her. And I, I said, well, man, that's tough. And he said, yeah, we had, to, we had to go a certain place, and there were protesters out there, and they, they said they'd pray for us. And I, you know, looked at her, and I was like, I'll, you know, we can have this baby. I'll marry you. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. It's, you know, I want, I want to continue our life the way it is or whatever. And I loved her, so I took her. And um, then on the way home, you know, we didn't talk much, and that made sense. And he said, you know, I loved her a lot. And we lasted about six months after that. And then he said, the most devastating thing I'd ever heard, he said, you know, I'll never have kids. I couldn't protect that one. How could I protect any of the others? And I was like blown away. And, you know, like another aha moment that this is not just a woman's issue because we are all hardwired. How do you even say no? How do you say no, you're not going to do that? Absolutely. It's true. I mean, you've opened my eyes there a little bit. It is not just a woman's issue. The body, yes, it is. Uh, But the overall experience is is maybe not just a woman's issue. And I have to think about that. I don't don't think it's going to shift me from a pro-choice stance. I'm just more comfortable with the idea that... uh, because it's not my body, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be directly like counter. I absolutely. Uh, get but that. that's that's the luxury of the flippy floppy and the Pentagon <laughs> in the middle, right? I can. Hey, we're working uh, on you, Brandon. We'll get you there. Well, I tell you what. There's some there's some really enlightening ideas to this. It's it's not as though I hadn't considered that it could be a men's issue and those those things. But 
sometimes you hear the story in context when 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 I hear of a man completely emasculated of mm-hmm. his idea of of protectiveness, I just wonder what happens to that man in life after that. Absolutely, and and you know, um, I often say. I'm deeply religious now, but it's because I'm pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was a nominal Catholic for a lot of my life. Then I became pro-life, and I looked around, and I was like, who's fighting this? Well, the Catholic Church was the only one at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I guess I belong here. Yeah. Now, now I'm totally, you know, I'm totally bought in, yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But most of the reasoning that I have for being pro-life— uh-huh is much more scientific than religious, which mm-hmm. is kind of convenient because, you know, as soon as, as soon as somebody brings up a religious argument, you close the door to a lot of people yeah. being open-minded about it. Yes. But one of the things that I, th- you know, if you look at it in terms of evolution, the greatest motivator we have as humans is to advance our family line. You know, we have we have a motivation to reproduce and to to make the species healthy mm-hmm. by lots and lots of of, of children, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so women are hardwired to protect their baby, mm-hmm. their maternal, mm-hmm. and it's something that I'm I'm serious. It turns on as soon as you get yeah. pregnant. Wow! And and it's the weirdest thing because you didn't have it. Yeah. Before but it's in there now, but it's now here. it's in there and it uh-huh. never goes away. Wow. Yeah. And the same for a man. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't turn on right at the moment of conception for a man. No, it has to click for dad. huh? Yeah, it does. And yeah. so like maybe it's that heartbeat that they hear at the OB's office. Maybe it's the ultrasound that they see when, when they see the physical um, being yeah. or hear the physical being. Or with my husband, when he saw his son that was eight pound version of a six foot three guy. Wow. I mean, you know, I've never seen anything like it. It was like, boom, it's dad. Um, but when you do something that goes against those impulses that are the yeah. most fierce impulses we have, uh-huh. you mess a person up, whether it's a man or a woman. We got to learn how to deal with that, right? Yeah, and that's, and that's why that that's why we have yep. healing programs for men and for women. Okay, look so. at that. Tell me a little bit about those. Tell me how you guys deal with people a little bit. That's something I'd really like to hear. Well, and and um, so the right to life movement is a big is a big movement. Okay, and it's kind of like a lot of moving parts. People do what they're good at, right? Uh huh. So like I'm good at lobbying, I'm good at uh, talking to people. Yeah. There are lots of people and lots of organizations within our movement that are really good at dealing with pregnant women who are in crisis and need those. They need the the rent money. They need the you know the cribs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Here in town, it's Casa de Vida. It's Crisis Pregnancy Center. It's the new um, Real Choices that's opening up south of town. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's um, life choices in Carson City. Mm-hmm. The pregnancy centers generally have uh, healing programs as part of their their mission as well. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church and many churches in town have healing missions, mm-hmm. and oftentimes it's um, it's a retreat with counselors and with pastors that are intimately aware 
of all the issues that go into post-abortion healing. Mm-hmm. And that's where you go. Yeah. And there are lots of great resources. And two, two messages. Yeah. One, there's healing. Find it. And two, you're not alone. You oh. can't, you are strong enough. And you are loved enough to have that baby. Oh, my God. Those are the two things. You are such a lovely person. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. I'm not even going to let us go. Those two things are exactly where we're going to have to end this because that was just so spot on. And what a takeaway. I hope that people get out of this listening back what I got out of it because it's a rare treat for me to, to not have to do too much talking, to have somebody that just knows what they're talking about and why they're talking about it. I can't tell you actually how many times I've interviewed people that actually are representing something that they don't fully understand. And I think that you have such a full understanding of the situation that it's quite fascinating uh, to hear how vastly different it is from the national narratives and the twisting and the, how people who are really fighting for their point want to make you feel instead of fighting for how to help you care about how you make you feel. What a beautiful thing. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you. That's, that's awfully nice. I appreciate that. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, Melissa, Jesus, I forgot the last thing. <laughs> Tell me, Papa. <laughs> Melissa Ch- wait, Clement. D- Clement. Oh, I was trying to think of orange because Clementine. I totally Michael <laughs> Scotted it. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Clement, it was a pleasure. And we're not going to delete any of my mistakes from this podcast because that's too good. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank Thank you you. for being here. To make contact with the Washoe County Republican Party or the county line, please call 775-827-1900 or visit www.washogop.org.